Hello, welcome to um, the second McLaren Fans podcast of 2022, the first actual race weekend one. Um, Joining us this week is Andy Robinson. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. Uh, Unfortunately, Sarah can't be with us this week because she's ill, but hope she'll be back in time for the Saudi one and just say get well soon, Sarah. Um, Yeah, well, first... Race of the season, done and dusted. Um, plenty to talk about and digest since our last podcast, which was after the car launch. Um, we've had two testing sessions and a full race weekend. And, well, life's always interesting as a McLaren fan, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? We, we had Barcelona and there was a lot of hope and optimism. And you saw the lap times come in and we looked good in Barcelona, almost like we might have been, dare I say it, sandbagging. Um, it looked really impressive and everyone was really positive. You saw everyone's faces, they couldn't hide the smiles. And uh, yeah, then, then uh, Bahrain. Yeah, let's, let's talk about, should we talk about testing first, do you think? Yeah, let's do that. So well, Barcelona, like you say, it was, it was very optimistic. But like we always say, never take any notice of the times what we got in Barcelona is we got lots of laps and data and everything else that we need um what we didn't get in Bahrain was lots of laps and data so um yeah we were on the back foot already going in this weekend weren't we for for that but you know this is the start of a brand new formula the biggest rules shake up in what did they say was 20 odd years or something in our living memory i'm sure of it yeah you know this is like these cars are fundamentally redesigned they're not an evolution of what started in 2012 or anything else like that they are from a blank piece of paper yes we've had a little bit longer to get them kind of right and tweaked here and there because of covid but we still had work to do last year on last year's car so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not despondent. It's one, you know, a test session and a race weekend. I think we'll get into that bit in a bit more detail later. But, I mean, what did you, it, it kind of was almost the yin and the yang, wasn't it, for the testing sessions? Yeah, I mean, we were doing easily 100 laps per day in Barcelona. And then in total in Bahrain, we did, I think it was exactly 200 laps Yeah, because we couldn't run long because the brakes were overheating. And um, did you see the pictures of how we were solving the brake overheating issue? Uh, I didn't see the pictures of it, but I know we had to return to the garage after about three or four laps each time. Yeah, there was some rudimentary metal work that went over. So a couple of big changes, but the very obvious one was this metal work that was spot welded over the brakes to almost create an air, air tunnel to create uh, like a draft through it to cool it down. Um, there were some 3D printed pieces, which means we were actually able to work on it a lot back at the factory. But I think a lot of it must have been done at the track because it it was just rudimentary is the only word for it. Yeah, yeah. But this is what testing is, though, isn't it? You know, um, testing is to find these issues. You know, um, a pretty whilst we didn't get what we needed out of it and we were on the back foot 
because of it. We'll soon catch up, but we're there to test the car, to see what's right, what works and what doesn't. And if we'd done two weeks at Barcelona, imagine if we'd come into this race weekend and had those same problems and had a car that couldn't run more than a couple of laps. Wow, you know, that would have been a big shock to everybody. It's so, that's such a good point because I, I was questioning why are we in Bahrain? Well, we can't fly parts overnight or within the hour to. We can't get stuff out and back and test it up and down quickly. But Bahrain gives us that other environment. It gives us the heat. So I, I guess there is a, a positive to testing in, Barcel- in Bahrain as well as Barcelona. But um, you saw that Haas had trouble getting their car out. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, they got extra time in the end, but yeah, you know, this is what happens though, isn't it? You know, things, things like this happen and yeah, you know, kind of, yeah, we could have had two full weeks in Barcelona like we used to have a few years ago, but we found things out this time around that we just would never have found out. Like, you know, two weeks in Barcelona would never have uncovered this problem. Um, And, you know, from what, what I've read and what I've seen, it's a brick issue. It's new brakes this year because of the bigger wheels and different cooling and everything else like that because of the car design. Um, and because of that, we're kind of on the back foot to then unlock the performance and from the sort of aero and from the mechanical grip side of it. So, yeah, you know, I kind of feel it's going to take us a couple of races to kind of just get up to speed with the car and see what we can start doing with it, really. As you say, we found it in testing, which is exactly where you want to find it. You did not want to find that on race day when you realise you haven't tested a certain, say, someone else hadn't tested race distance more than once. Yeah, or fuel pumps. Yeah. (laughs) True. Yeah. So then, (laughs) and I guess we um, we have a look at the race weekend then, Andy, because Bahrain. it's been kind to us before. Yes. I like it as a track. It's a really nice track to, to, to watch racing at. Um, I, you know, I think there's plenty of opportunities to overtake. The pit stops are quite interesting. Um, however, I think three things that came out of this race weekend for me. One was it did seem the cars, could follow each other a lot closer than before. Yeah, very much so. Um, The second one was that the cars look amazing under the lights, which is always good, a bit of aesthetics and stuff like that. And the third bit was that we're not the only team that has struggles at the minute. And that's uh, interesting. You say the cars could follow. Uh, A prime example was Charles and Max. Five times in two laps, they overtook each other. Yeah. And that was, um, like, take the McLaren off your heart. That was amazing racing. Like, yeah, we weren't seeing our cars, but that was great racing. Yeah. Uh, We saw it a bit further down the field as well. We saw, um, you know, Guan Yu Zhou and Bottas having a little bit of a battle um, and a a few of the others, so... Sorry, is it Joe Guan Yu, I think it is. Sorry. Joe Guan Yu. In G- F2 and F3, he was Guan Yu Joe. Now yeah. he's Guo Guan Yu. He's, he's, he's got enough authority to put his foot down and say he wants it right. Yes. And, and we should 
should respect that, of course. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um, the one, one thing I loved before the weekend even started was the new race director said, the white lines are the limit of the track, not the curb, not certain areas. Oh, yeah. Outside the white lines, you're going to be taken off. And uh, that's the rule. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Fancy that, following the rule book, hey? Yeah. <laughs> new direction for a race director. Kind of a crazy thing is that. <laughs> It annoys all of us. They can do it in other series. There's lots of ways they can enforce it or police it or uh, manage it. But just even stating it as a fact before the weekend started. Um, and there was a couple of guys in F2 that actually suffered quite severely in the races from it. Uh, it didn't rear its head too much in F1. Yeah, I think um, I think there was uh, a couple of collie laps that were deleted, wasn't there? One from... Perez, which didn't show up on the timing, but it was deleted later. And um, another, it might have been K Mag, I think. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, sort of, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm all for it. A race director that actually upheld the rules and enforces them. That's a really good start. Um, I, I quite liked when he came out and said as well before the race that, um, you know, Teams will be expected to hand back places if they've done an illegal overtake off the track or something like that. But we won't be telling them to do it. They've got to do it themselves. And I just thought, great, add that bit of jeopardy. Why not? That's exactly what we want. You know, you got, did he say you had two laps to do it? Something afterwards as well? Really sure. It was either one or two laps. And that's brilliant because you, you know if you've done it wrong. And you've got a minute and a half to have the video analysis back at the factory tell you. I've got to say that, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's hope it continues and, you know, it doesn't get diluted or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, let's kind of talk about McLaren's race weekend. So, I guess it was pretty obvious from testing the week previous and the free practice sessions that we were never going to sort of set the world alight. Um, you know, I think the... Um, you know the conditions out there. You're saying it's you know it's it's quite hot. It's, you know, hotter than a bowl of curry and rice out there, and it's uh, you know it doesn't quite suit our our car. I'm pretty sure that probably our brakes heated so much you probably could have like heated up some curry on the brakes. Quite easy. Doing a good job there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know at no point in the weekend did we finish any session in the top ten? Yeah. And I and I understand you know that it's disappointing from where we were last year. But it's like we're starting again from scratch. We're starting from a blank piece of paper. It's, we're not, you know, yes, oh God, I would have loved it if we'd been like a, a podium finish or something like that. But I've seen this before, right? i tell you where I saw this before. I saw it with my own eyes, Andy, right? I was there, right? I was at Australia 2012 when they changed over. Was it 2012 when they changed over to the hybrids? Was it 2014? 2014 it was. I think it was 2014. Sorry. Yeah. So I was at the Australia race, and I think um, I think that was the race where Nico Rosberg won for Mercedes, and uh, Jensen and K-Mag got um, a two and three for McLaren. And we did nothing for the rest of the season after that. Right? <laughs> so you can't take that first race as a 
sort of thing of the whole season. You know the numbers, Matt. Okay. In that season, where we finished second and third in the very first race, yeah, we finished fifth in the championship. Yeah. In 2009, this is our worst start I could find. Kovalainen finished 19th of a DNF. Hamilton finished 20th of a DNF. We were the last two cars. In that season, we finished third. Yeah. It says it all, doesn't it? You know, you know. I mean, two DNFs in the first race. Yeah, it's not the greatest thing, is it? Not a great start to the season. Ask Christian Horner, to be honest. He's not going to be happy with that. So, yeah. So I wasn't quite, I wasn't really surprised when sort of Dan couldn't get out of uh, Q1 and Lando out of Q2 and we started 18th and 13th respectively. I thought, well, that's fair enough. I thought we did a bold move um, kind of going on the mediums against everyone else's strategy. I thought, let's see how that works out. I think we had to roll the dice just in case. So I watched um, F2 and F3 and the hard tyres didn't work. Yeah. Everyone started on the softs or switched over and the hard tyres in F2, F3, just they did not work for anyone. And when I saw us come out on the mediums, it's like, are we going medium, soft, soft? I see the, well, with my lack of car data, that's the plan I'd have gone with. Yeah. And then um, I saw people put it on hards. Lewis dropped off the hards. He, he put them off a few laps and hated them. Um, I, you're right, we had to throw the dice. We had to gamble. And we were the only team to gamble. And it could have been a hero's move. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think about a quarter of the way in the race, or maybe a third in way in the race, it became quite obvious what this race was for us, which was ex- essentially a practice test session. This was, can we run the car in Bahrain with whatever upgrade we've put on for a race distance? That was the box that we needed to tick. That was it. That was the end of it. We changed tyres quite a few times for both drivers. You know, obviously we did it under the, the safety car as well. But, yeah, it was pretty much right. Can we get to the end without the, the brakes overheating, the cars going pop or anything else like that? And I've got to say that's, you know, that's a big tick in the box, given where we were a week previous. That's yeah. a massive tick in the box. People seem to be forgetting that, that we've, you know, already kind of maybe solved that first problem of, right, we can get around a track that's hot. We might not have the performance because we've not done the rest of the testing, but you know we've got another couple of races coming up pretty quickly. It could be all very different in Saudi next week. <laughs> well, Dan literally left his isolation on the Thursday morning to walk yeah. up into the track. Like, yeah. No, no one will ever tell us how bad that is, and they don't need to. But we don't know if he he was like completely asymptomatic or if he was bedridden. Like, we don't know how bad it affected him. Uh, so for him to have done the full lap distance in that heat as well, um, got to give him a bit of credit for that one. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I know there was, a, you know, a few incidents in the race and stuff like that where we were lucky to kind of finish 14th and 15th. But, you know, like, these places don't matter. It All that really matters is we've now got two full race distances in that car and we've got a lot of data to kind of go and assess and figure out what we need to do 
yes, we're on the back foot, but do you know what? It's not like we sat there going, the engine's the fault, you know, or it's this. We we seem to know what it is already. And also, I'd be more worried if the management structure and the team structure was the same as what it was during the Honda years. Um, you know, this is a different McLaren animal to what it was then. It's a different atmosphere within the team as well. We, we see it as fans and we hear it from what uh, we see on TV and everything. And the people who work there, um, they, they seem more empowered to do the right things. And it's, it's a love, lovely spirit comes out of McLaren now. Uh, no, no one's scared of walking in Ron's shadow. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice place to go. Um, the one thing we did really get to practice during the race as well is your favourite thing in the world. What is that then? <laughs> Second favourite thing in the world, pit stops. Okay, we, thank God for that. <laughs> we did really... So the tyres the are bigger, they're heavier, there's more in the way, there's more bodywork to get in the way of. So to, everyone knew pit stop times are going to be slower. No one was going to get a sub two second stop. Uh, we've got new rear jack, we've got new on wheels, we've got uh, new systems in place. And... There was one stop where the rear jack's a bit wobbly and it slowed down, but we had no one holding the car. In, in previous years, we'd had two people the inside holding the car still. Yeah. And we didn't seem to this year. Um, maybe that'll get looked at, you never know. But um, we got the fastest stop. Uh, Danny Rick of a 2.31 second stop. Yeah. And I think Lando was 2.49 and he was the fa- fifth fastest as well. Yeah. Now, given that I absolutely hammer them, when they get it wrong and things go slightly wrong, I, I've got to say, I was, you know, I'm chuffed with that. Um, and we can only get start getting better. But, you know, um, like you say, there's a lot of different things changed, like the size of the tyres. The, the, I think it was, was it Martin Brundle that was saying that the, the tyres are like about 50% heavier than what they were previously? They really are, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a hell of a lot of change. Um, and under pressure as well. So, yeah. Um, yes, we won something this weekend. And I think you said that earlier in a tweet. Yeah, we managed, managed yeah. to win the pit stop war. Uh, yeah. Um, which kind of, you know, that's that's a real positive. Um, I want to kind of just touch on a, in a bit more deal on sort of fan support this weekend. Um. I think we've all seen it across Twitter where there's been a kind of a meltdown from certain sections of F1 Twitter. And, you know, I hate to say it, but there's also been some abuse towards team members, um, social media admins, people who are generally associated with the team. And it doesn't sit right with me at all. That just doesn't at all. Um, I find that, you know, it's one race. And whilst we can all be disappointed, um, you know, I think we sort of echo this is that sort of, you know, get behind the team, show them your support when they actually need it. They're not sitting there thinking they've done the best job ever this weekend. They're going to be hurting too. In fact, McLaren tweeted, today hurt for all of us. We focused on the task. Your support means everything. But yet still people in reply to that wanted to be abusive 
and nasty about things. And that's just not on. It's just not really the way to go. I think um, now is our time as fans to make a difference. When when we win races and there's 40 million people saying, yay, well done, that the team don't really get to hear it. They, see the, 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 they can't see the wood for the trees. But when we've had a, a difficult race weekend and that fan sends a message in saying, guys, we're still proud of you. You tried your hardest. We'll be back next week. Keep plugging away. Keep fighting fearlessly forward. That actually helps. It works. It, it picks up that team member who's slogged their guts out just as much to come last as you do to come first. No one's putting. We actually used a wild card this weekend as well. I don't know if you know uh, if that was publicised much, but we uh, broke curfew on. I think it was Friday night, right. so we put extra hours in this weekend. We used one of our um, wild cards, uh, so we've put more work in to come 14th, 15th. Um, and those guys and girls slog their guts out no matter where we come. So having the chance to say thank you and well done, and even if it wasn't the result we wanted, we know you're all trying hardest and, and we'll do better next week. Well, we'll try to anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's where the fans need to... We, we, we need to be more vocal on the positives. Yeah. yeah I've got a couple of... Uh, Andrew Seidel said, this was a disappointing and painful experience for everybody within the team. And of course, for all our great fans, we're now analysing in detail why we're not competitive, working as hard as we can to bring more performance to the car as rapidly as possible. I mean, that's what you want to hear, isn't it, from the, yeah. you know, the principle. Uh, Zach Brown said, McLaren fans, we're as disappointed with our results as you are this weekend. Though the team is determined to work... Uh, is a, Sorry. Although, though, as a team, we are determined as we have ever been, there's a reason our motto McLaren is fearlessly forward. I'm not going to say that after a few drinks. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, you know, we've also had um, our own Sarah. Um, we know you guys will be analysing the data, working hard to suss out what the tweaks and improvements can be made. So give them time to do that. And remember that being a fan and a supporter means just that. Show your support. Uh, Perry Brown, who's been on the podcast before as well. Support is about being there on the bad days as well as the good ones. Thankfully, I feel most of the true fans shouted out yesterday, but there is, of course, those that chose to be negative. It helps no one. Uh, Nikki, if you survived the 2015 to 2018 McLaren, you can survive this. How right is she with that one? Uh, How do you think everyone who's spent the last two years working on these cars feels? I'll always be a fan no matter what. I understand the frustration, but there's no need for the nasty comments thing before you tweet. I, you know, those are, those are people like us out there. You know, these guys have been on the podcast and things like that as well. You know, it's good to see amongst all the negative things out there, people showing their support and actually sticking up to the team as well, which is, you know, what we want to kind of see. Um, you know, I've purposely not picked any of the negative stuff out to, to read out because it's, it's pointless. It helps nobody. Um, you know, in 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 relation to F1, as soon as that check and fla- checkered flag, the chicken flag? What's chicken the chicken flag? flag? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in Mexico. yeah, I think we're now going to call that the Checo flag. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, as soon as that comes down, basically the team's focus is for Saudi. As soon as that car crosses that line, that's exactly what it is. And we've got to remember that's what they're doing. Um, 
Yeah. So, so with you as a fan, me as a fan, we are 100% entitled to be uh, disappointed in the result. Yeah. We, we can be annoyed that we didn't score a podium or points. Uh, and we can be disgruntled that the other team seems to have got the rules better than us. But we can also be supportive of our team members. Like, If you think about the people behind the tweets, you think about the people taking the photos, if you think about the social media team, not one of them could put, don't, well, maybe correct me when I'm wrong here, but I don't think any one of them could put down the phone or the camera or the microphone and go in the uh, wind tunnel and they could figure out the root of our problem by themselves. Uh, they're not aerodynamicists. They're, they're not fluid data analysts, whatever. They're part of a big team and directing hate and vitriol at them is not going to get us anywhere and it's not conducive to a a team and it's only going to isolate people Um, Mercedes were outright blocking people this weekend good for them good absolutely good for them um Uh, yeah you know (laughs) if you think we we had a bad weekend you know Mercedes got a lucky weekend but it could have been a lot worse for them as well you know really could have been their fans have been used to the team winning everything for the last however many years so, you know, it's going to come as a big shock, but it's one, it's one race. It's one race. It's not a well, season. 2015 that we refer to a lot. Yeah. We got 27 points all year. Yeah. I think we can beat that this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I'll put money on it now, to be honest. <laughs> uh, we've had bad years and we, we've had building years. We've had learning years. And that, yeah. This doesn't feel like one of them for us. No, it just seems like we're just starting to understand this car, you know, and and what it is. And, you know, if there's something drastically wrong, then we can make a change at this point and move forward. That's the, that's the thing. Right. Should we, should we move on to uh, some more positive stuff? So, um, yeah. So, Hey, Google, How amazing is it that we've got Google as a sponsor? I mean, how a a brand that's pretty much on everybody's computer that's worldwide known seems to think, or we've convinced them enough that they should get their logo on the side of the car to get their brand even more known. So I don't know what else Google Chrome advertise. They do it on the TV, but I don't know any other teams they sponsor or any events. No, no. I mean, I work in the the mobile app sort of arena, and um, I've seen them kind of like sponsor some kind of their own sort of things. I've never seen them sponsor an actual sports team. However, they may do in they may do in the USA, but I've never seen them get into sports anywhere and maybe that's their next step you know but I, I i think one thing we've really got to commend zach brown for he has found a way to put adverts on the hubcaps of the wheels yes and it's and it looks amazing doesn't it it does even yeah. at speed so i was worried it was gonna be like a brown blur as it goes quite fast yeah but coming out the garage yeah in those slow speed corners you can definitively see the four quadrants and it looks cool so what, remember the last year where we um, did the, the tyre testing 
and we tested the cars and we had LED um, tire uh, wheel covers. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get that and then that might actually end up being the, the Google Chrome logo constantly on there. That would look pretty um, neat. McLaren Shadow launched this year's car with LED wheel lights. They're, they're, so they've got a lot of LED panels on the McLaren Shadow car. Um, but this also, by the way, explains why the testing car for Barcelona had a different livery to the launch car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think for Google to get in, it means I can get a new phone. Um, oh. Hopefully... I'm in a really tricky situation here because, you know, I always like to be on brand, always like to have my McLaren stuff, you know, refuel at the Gulf whenever I can, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty much in the iOS Apple camp. Um, however, um, McLaren have brought out phones in the past, two, two Android ones recently with, um, yeah. with OnePlus. Four. Yep. Uh, they also had a phone years ago with Vodafone and Sharp, which I've got somewhere packed away in, in, in my collection of crap. Um, <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, a McLaren phone appears uh, like a Google Pixel McLaren, and I might just have to get that then. That would, uh, the Pixel phone's a good phone anyway, but that would be the icing on the cake. Yeah, maybe especially if it was in papaya, that would be amazing. By the way, you say you always have to be on brand. I um, I run IT for a company, and the number of contracts I've got because their name is on the side of the McLaren car. <laughs> I've managed to sell it to the business, but I've only got them because I've seen them on a McLaren. Yeah. Um, I'm an absolute sucker for it. Shows that it works, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, we've all drank husky chocolate for the last three years. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. I, I was signing up for the uh, iconic. You know, we were on the side of the head. There was the fan engagement app, and you could buy coins and everything. It never launched, and we quietly removed the advertising from my helmets. But I was monitoring that every day to sign up for my fan engagement tokens. Yeah. Well, you see, they've probably gone with some other team now or something like that. But yeah, these things sometimes work, don't they? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I've not quite got to uh, the point of buying a. A Richard Meal watch, or um, you know, but I've put, <laughs> I've put Pirellis on my car and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, kind of living it now. So yeah, I mean, it's really. I think that's really exciting. It's probably one of the most exciting sponsors that we've had in years, probably since Vodafone. Really, if you think about it. So, I, I mean, we look back. Um, There's some tweets in the build up to this season, and a lot of people perform that. Look back five seasons, and we had a, a silver car with the car name on the side. Yeah, I think it was the MP430 or 29. Yeah, and we had so little sponsors, we put the car name on the side of the car. Now we don't have room for the MCL 36M. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the MP429. We had yeah. almost no sponsors on it. Yeah, yeah, things have turned around massively. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about. Last thing we've got here on the agenda, um, team kit. Um, we've kind of hammered it for the last few years, haven't we, about how bad it's been, how shoddy it is. Um, as you can see, we're both wearing our new team kit. And uh, I've got to say, I'm quite impressed by it. I love it. I, yeah. I, 
it took me a week to go through everything to figure out what I wanted to buy. Yeah. Not because there was a little, but because I was like, oh, I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have yeah. that. It's, yeah, it's great. It's, I've not had an issue at all with any print or anything coming off like we used to. Yeah. I, there was a few that went out in the first sort of batch where some of the hoodies didn't have the logos and a couple of things like that. But I've not seen anything like that since. So they must have just been early run problems and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But now I'm kind of like you know, the, the team shirt and the polo and the quarter zip, all really nice sort of material and feel a lot more kind of, uh, I wouldn't, they're not luxury goods, but they feel a bit more like sportswear, which I guess is what Castor do. So, but it feels like something a sports team should wear. So. Yeah. And I've got the I've got the hoodie, and it's not a thick, warm winter hoodie. Let's be honest, but it's a lovely feel stretch hoodie. Right, that does a treat and a half. And do you know the best thing about the McLaren store right now? They've listened, and they've got all the small things as well. You can buy a pen, you can buy a notebook, you can buy a water bottle, uh, a mug, a lanyard. Like they've got the small things that we've been begging mugs. How long has it been since you had a mug on the McLaren store website? About three years, isn't it? Yeah. We, we had to go to the car dealerships to buy one the last three years. Yeah. Festival of um, Goodwood Festival of Speed. You can oh, get yeah. these ones. The, uh, yeah. This says McLaren in Papaya. But uh, it's like they've got pens. If someone wants to buy me a gift, they can have me spend 14 quid on a papaya pen for me. <laughs> oh, let's see what happens. See what you get in the post. <laughs> Yeah, they, don't get me wrong. They've also got a uh, two-me backpack for £595. This is one of the things, I don't know if you um, I don't know if you picked up any of the Lap 56 stuff that we had a few years ago. I didn't get any. Their stuff was really good quality. And I got the backpack and the, um, that was really, I mean, it was, wasn't particularly cheap. It was over £100, but it's like hard case backpack. It's got a proper laptop thing. So I was kind of hoping that when we signed up with Toomey that we'd get some sort of decent sort of fan sort of stuff. Um, yes, I think, yes, you're going to have the high-end stuff that goes with the sort of sports cars and stuff like that. But it would be nice to have, like, you know, a backpack that's pretty decent that somebody could get for 100 quid. Um, yeah, not 495 quid or whatever it is. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's a... Yeah, the gear is nice though. And I like the fact that it's not all just papaya. There's the lovely grey, which kind of, you know, I, I go out in my papaya hoodie, my papaya t shirt, my papaya hat, and you can't not be looked at. Yeah. And some days, I guess you just want to go out in the grey top and not yeah. be looked at. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, so I was in Tesco the other day, and there was a guy walking along wearing this season's hoodie. And I, yeah. I was walking along wearing this season's T-shirt and hat. And the, we had that look and we said hi, and that was it. But you can't miss us. As, as McLaren fans, you can't be subtle no matter where you go. You can't be in Tesco's and people not know you're wearing the bright orange papaya. Yeah. So, yeah, I love <laughs> it. And the right. blue, I don't know if you've noticed, the blue, mm. there's... The blue lining on a lot of the garments. Yeah. It's it's a lovely little touch. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Yep. 
I'm hoping that the uh, you know this is just like the kind of first wave of stuff, and we start getting a few more things like some maybe some Monaco specials, some sort of British GP specials and stuff like that. That'd be quite nice. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes out. Um, yeah, uh, certainly uh, refreshing my wardrobe this year, as every year, really. <laughs> but the real question is how many storage boxes have you got in the loft of last year's and the year before and the year before um i've got a probably four or five full of kit i've got kit that goes back to 2004 so See, quite a long I, way i think that would be a funny episode by the way of the podcast get people on with their oldest bit of mclaren kit yeah, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do a themed one for that. I like that idea. Yeah, if you've got um, some McLaren kit from way back when, uh, send us a tweet and uh, we'll retweet it. It'd be nice to see. And maybe we'll give you a nudge and see if we can get you on the podcast and find out where you got it from, how you came about it, and things like that. Especially stuff that didn't come from the store, because that's always the intriguing stuff, isn't it? That one of the yeah. mechanics handed it to you over a fence. Yes, that's happened a few times, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got um, quite a few. I've managed to keep some of the catalogues that we had from back in those old um, old early team McLaren days. Um, I'll tweet out some of those pictures as well. There's some pictures where DC and Mika look really kind of like very sort of, do I really have to pose for this in this kind of way sort of thing? And there's yes. some interesting styles. Some styles there that you think they, they never saw that. They blimey. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, net because it was that old, it was a .net as well. Yeah. Um, talking of gear, do we want to say congratulations to Mark Dobson? Yeah, he um, he won the, uh, the the gilet and the cap, didn't he? So, yeah, congratulations, Mark. I hope it's, uh, hope it's arrived all right. And... Um, it fits well and you're enjoying it. Yeah, I managed to guess 199 when it was really 200. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's close. Pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, especially given that we were so low on the laps. It was a, it was a, I wouldn't say an educated guess, I think he was just going for a right cover that option. <laughs> yeah, um, and we'll have a few more giveaways, uh, in the next sort of few episodes. Uh, we've got a couple of things lined up. Um, something really sort of quite amazing to give away in the next couple of episodes so keep listening and uh, I think that's us done for this evening isn't it so I think uh, unless you've got anything else to add Andy uh, just uh, only to compliment you on the idea of doing the video recording uh, so McLaren Fans podcast is going to be up on YouTube occasionally here and there yeah, so we're recording these uh, as audio and video now, and we're going to put the video ones up. And uh, later in the season, what we want to try and do is get um, a live stream YouTube podcast where we want everybody out there to kind of get involved in real time, ask us some questions and have a real good chat on and uh, sort of do that and then get that involved. But it's taken a little bit of technical setup. So if you're a, a YouTube whiz and know how to do um, live streaming and with multiple guests, please drop me a DM because I'm desperate to find out because it seems to be quite tricky. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. So, and, yeah. 
Can I just apologise to everyone who does watch this on YouTube? For the first few minutes, I didn't realise that my on-brand uh, Bahrain McLaren Merida cycling shorts were in the background over my shoulder. At least they're on-brand. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I think we'll end it on that one. Cheers, Andy. Thank um, you very much, Andy. No doubt we'll uh, have you on later on the season as well. And uh, yeah, on to Saudi, where hopefully we can get some double points. 